Let us pray. Everlasting Father, we continue to give you worship, reverence, and adoration for your goodness unto us. We thank you, Lord, for another opportunity this weekend to be revived so that we be what you've called us to be as your own people. As we conclude this program through this message this morning, Lord, speak your mind unto us. Give us understanding of your word and give us grace to do your word. So that in this generation, you will depend on us to carry the mandate and the great commission you have called us into. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Good morning everybody. We continue to give glory, honor and praise to God for his benevolence unto each and every one of us, preserving us unto this day. We continue to thank this chapel. We thank the vicar and the chaplain and his workers and the entire chapel council, as I said on Friday, for bringing this kind of theme to us in a generation where we are speaking on so many things that are irrelevant in the name of crusade, revival, and convention. God has led it in their hearts so that we will be called to order that we need revival individually as Christians. So we pray that the Lord may continue to bless their works in Jesus' name. We want to thank in a special way once again. We did that on Friday. We are doing it again. Our Father and the Lord, the Archbishop of the province of Enugu and the Bishop of Enugu Diocese, His Grace, the Most Reverend Dr. Iho Chukuma, for his fatherly disposition in approving our coming to minister in this revival program. We continue to pray that the Lord, we continue to sustain him in a special way to accomplish the purpose of his calling in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to conclude this morning. Many of you are in the academia and you know what it means. They call you up to make presentation and you have two or three times to come up. The first one is detailed. The second one is abridged. The final appearance is summary. So if you speak in the time of summary, what you said when you began, you may lose some marks. So I don't want to lose mark this morning. What do I mean? We may not speak a very long sermon. We are concluding the message Revival program is not a jamboree. It is aimed at bringing us back to spiritual functionality. To be where God wants you to be. To do what God wants you to do. And to pursue the purpose for which he made you a Christian. 
God did not make us Christians for us to jump and dance and go away and waste his grace. No way. He is a purposeful God. So when we cry to him for revival, if there is any time that cry is apt and relevant, it is now. Individually. We need revival. Collectively as a church, we need revival. The assignment given to us is going, lying unattended to. First assignment, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's your assignment, that's my life. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your first and my first assignment is to shine for him wherever I find myself, no matter how dark that place is. Second assignment is what we know in the scripture as the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and make what? Disciples. He didn't say go and gather confused multitude. Because the church of my generation is laying so much emphasis on crowd and number that we want to preach a sermon that we appeal to people so that they come back tomorrow and nothing happens in their lives. To make a disciple is not a casual matter. For you to raise one disciple of Jesus, a loyal follower, Without compromise. It's not a child's play. And that is your assignment. Whether you're a student, whether a public or civil servant, whether you're a bishop like myself, whether you're a businessman or woman, no one is exempted from this work. Soul winning is the sole business of our salvation. Drop it, you have missed it. You can't just be a Christian and say you can't win soul. Then you are a waste. You are an abortion of God's divine purpose. If you don't engage in soul winning, no matter your status, I keep on telling the priest, I say there is one abnormality I see among us. Once we put on cassock and collar, the only place we know we can preach the gospel is in the church pulpit. Personal evangelism is no more there. No. This is one area God says, I need revival. My children must get it right. When I was a canon, something happened one day. I was traveling uh, through a luxurious bus to Lagos. And along the line in my characteristic way, I like to preach the gospel anywhere. So as we were approaching... Where they call you Muneda or so, I stood up in the luxurious bus to preach. I was a canon, but I wasn't putting on priestly garment and no collar, nothing. So after preaching, I made altar call because that's my sole business. Anywhere I go, to make sure people come to Christ. Because that's why I am called. 
So after the altar call, I prayed for tra- cold travelers. I sat down. The man sitting by my side said, oh, yeah. young man. That's a, he was elderly. The young man, that was a wonderful one. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. I said, thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. We were going along the line. I didn't know what transpired. The man asked me, are you, which church do you attend? I say, I'm an Anglican. He said, oh, that's great. That's great. I'm also an Anglican. I'm a knight in the church. Oh, that's great. It's of course you may be among the FAC people. I say, yes. FAC, yes. Are you among their leaders? I said, before. No, now, yes. He said, how? He said, I was their leader when I wasn't ordained. Now I am their father. He said, ordained, how? I said, I'm a priest in the Anglican. He said, don't say it twice. I said, sir, I'm a canon. The man became so angry. The same man that commended me. He said, Anglican canon preacher in a bus is a disgrace to the Anglican communion. I looked at the man twice. I said, sir, well, I'm not, you are no elderly man. I can't talk to you more. But I'm sorry, you say you are a knight. There are two types of knights. The knight with K at the back. And the one that have thrown away the K. The first one is K-N-I-G-H-T. Knight, soldier of Christ. The other knight is N-I-G-H-T. I say, sir, which one are you? He said, I don't understand you, but Anglican priests don't preach in a public place. We should preserve our dignity as Anglican priests. I say, if that is dignity of not preaching the gospel, I will resign. I didn't come to Christ because I have nothing doing. He said, follow me. I will make you what? This morning, to summarize what we are doing and what we are preaching, this the topic the Lord gave to me this morning is Sacrificial Christianity. Sacrificial what? Christianity. Let's look at the Bible. John, I mean Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 18. Matthew 4, 18. And Jesus... Walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway, in other words, immediately left their what? And did what? Straightway left. Mark that word there. Left. 
left something precious to follow him. 21. And going on from this, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John, yes, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Verse 22, what did they do? And they immediately, what again? Left. What did they leave? The sheep and their father. And did what? These are the people we can look at as our predecessors in this followership of Christ. The first call to follow Jesus. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, any form of Christianity you practice that does not tamper with your comfort and also inconvenience you is a fake Christianity. You are living your life and you meet Jesus and nothing changed. Nothing was tampered with. You still go where you want to go. You keep the friends you want to keep. You talk the way you want to talk. You dress the way you want to dress. You keep the kind of job you want to keep. You do the kind of business you want to do. When you have met Jesus, that is a fake Christianity. Nobody meets Jesus and remains the same. Nobody. This is why if you read Bible very well, it said, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. He said, therefore, it starts with that conditional word, if. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, what has happened? He is a new, not a refurbished creature. Not rehabilitated. Because some of us see Christianity meeting Christ as, okay, Christ refurbished my life. He's a, he's a brand new person. And the evidence is the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. May I ask you, we are talking of revival. Have you ever met Jesus of Calvary? Where? When? How? You have been in the church, yes, baptized, confirmed, with a lot of religious title, recognitions, you know, we are in a title conscious generation. So everybody needs title. Some of you have gotten up to three or four in the church, especially the women folk. This year, your, the village August meeting in your village will make you normal. Next year, they will make you negod. The other one, they make you ezine. The other one, they make you nepotarife. The other one, just because your family can afford money. How many poor people receive such titles? 
Nobody is against titles. But the highest title you will have in your life is that you are born again. Take it or leave it. And that is the only qualification to eternity with Christ. The only thing that qualifies you. So before these people did something, they knew that following Jesus, salvation is not cheap. Our salvation in Christ cost God his best and his all. Have you read John chapter 3 verse 16 before? What does he say? For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only, only begotten son. That is the cost of salvation. Only begotten son. One. Some of you here have up to three, four, five children. If we tell you to bring one for slaughter this afternoon, you will never cross this church again. But this is the only begotten son of God. I say, I have given these people free moral conscience. They couldn't make it to my kingdom. I've given them laws. They couldn't keep it. I've given them the, the, the prophets to talk to them. They can't be converted. Let me play this last card. Let me go for this last option. Once I give my last option, it is therefore left for them either to perish or to make it into my kingdom. He says, my son, whom will I send and who will go for me? And Jesus said, here am my father, send me. And he died shameful, excruciating, painful death on the cross. Not because of his sins, but because of you. Because of me. My question is, where did you meet Jesus? How? When? That's the first revival. This is an ample opportunity. There is no time. Many of you travel very wide. Check the things that are happening in the world. Try and correlate it with what the scripture said. That when these things begin to happen, know that the end is at the door. We are at the very last time in this life. If you miss it, you have missed it. And if people can still give their life to Jesus in places like Iraq and Iran, people give their life to Jesus in Egypt under heavy, terrible persecutions. People give their life to Jesus in Turkey. And because of that, they are humiliated, tortured, killed, beheaded. And here you have the whole free chance to worship God freely and you are rejecting this salvation. I wonder what will happen. Some of you, if you watched, did you watch the video clip of how they killed the Khan chairman of Michigan local government? Did you watch that? I couldn't look at it twice. The first cut of the knife on his neck I switched off. Knife. Because he's a Christian in this very country. 
They just have to cut the neck. Wow! And the thing dropped. And they cut him the second time. The, those that watched it continue. I didn't watch twice. And you are here in the southeast. Still have time to give your life to Jesus. And you are playing along. You are speaking long grammar. You are still comfortable in your home. You can sing and shout. Yet you have not committed your life to him. I pray. You didn't do it now. It is easy. I don't know whether it is when Antichrist comes. You will do it. Stop the grammar. It will not help you. One man spoke that grammar to me some years ago. I laughed. But thank God he didn't go away that. I was traveling in 1997. I was traveling for a conference in Tel Aviv, Israel. We boarded aircraft and we are going. 1997. I was very young, a priest, very young priest. So I was sitting near a man. I didn't know him. But because it was a long travel, around 2 a.m., I couldn't sleep in the aircraft. The, the old man, about 65, 66, 70 years. I was sitting, he wasn't sleeping. I called him. I said, Dad, good morning, sir. Hey, young man, how are you? Good morning. I said, sir, you are not sleeping. He said, no, I don't usually sleep in the aircraft. I said, now you are not sleeping, I'm not sleeping. Can we share the word of God? The man said, what? Share what? I said, word of God. He said, where is it? I brought my Bible. The man said, this one, word of God. Listen to me. The man said, young man, I think providence, I'm quoting him. He said, I think that providence brought you close to me today so that I can help you. At this age, you have started traveling for international conference, which means you have a future. Don't destroy it with this nonsense. What is the nonsense? He said, young man, who told you this is the word of God? Where did you meet God? The man started grammar. 97, I still have one degree. So the, when he told me who he was, when a professor is talking to you as a young graduate, for the next 45 minutes in the aircraft, the man began to preach to me why I should drop this Bible and face my future. He concluded by saying, look, Young man, there is no God anywhere. You are God to yourself. Help yourself. I'm a professor of metaphysics. That was when I, I said, no wonder. Metaphysics is the senior brother of occultism. So the man mesmerized me. He said, I'm a visiting professor here. I'm a visiting here. I'm a visiting. He called so many... University, including Harvard. 
He said, as I'm going, I'm going on my sabbatical. I'm going to be in Harvard. I'm going to be, he said a lot of things. And you know, you feel intimidated. Professor. Talking to a young graduate. At a point I said, well, how do I survive this matter now? The accused, the accuser have become the accused. The converter is being converted. And how do I start this? The man spoke grammar. Professor and professors are here. You know how you blow the thing. As he concluded, he said, well, let me leave you to yourself. He told me, think, think. Providence brought you here that I can help you. Forget this thing. Forget this thing. Pursue your future. I said, Daddy, thank you. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't thank me. Thank Providence. I looked at the man. Initially, I didn't know what to say again. At the point, God helped me. I said, sir, even though you don't believe this word of God, can you still read something for me? I will show you something to read. He said, as for reading, why am I a professor for? I read everything. Give me, I read for you. We now sweet on the light. And I opened the scripture. And I will show you what the prof read for me. If you have your Bible, Psalm 14 verse 1. I gave the prof, he put on his eyeglasses. I said, well, he says, yeah, you have heard me. Let me give you read for you, whatever you want me to read. And the prof read. You see it there. The fool have said in his heart, there is no he stopped there. He didn't finish the reading. No, he the man. You see this word of God. Don't joke with it. It is powerful. The man didn't read further. He removed his eyeglasses and started looking at me. I said, "Young man, what do you mean? Are you calling me a fool?" I said, "Prof, I didn't write this." He said, "Serious? This serious? This serious?" He read again. The fool. <laughs> I said, he said, he said, but can you explain this more? The same prof. He said, young man, can you explain it? I go to church sometime, you know, I left the church since 28 years ago. But can you explain this? I have not read it before. What does it mean? I said, prof, the way I will explain it is that these people that said it are better than you. They said it in their heart. You verbalized it. So you are not only a fool. You are mad. Because by that time I saw he becoming sober. So I came up. <laughs> he said, speak, speak to me, explain to me. I said, Prof, the Bible said, the fool said it where? But here you looked at me eyeball to eyeball and told me there is no, you have graduated from foolishness to madness. Can I go further? He said, I'm all ears, I'm all ears, go ahead. But you know one thing. The man said he went to church last 28 years ago. As a little boy, a young priest, I opened the scripture. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. Where? I opened the scripture. The prof was listening with rapt attention. He spoke to me for 45 minutes. I decided to hold him for one hour. For the next one hour, we were reading the Bible. 
Do you know this man that was full of himself as a professor at the end of the whole thing? He asked the question they asked in Acts chapter 2. Verse 37 and 38. Men and brethren, what shall we do? The prophet said, young man, I think I'm getting convinced that you are making sense. What do I do? I said, can you give your life to Jesus? Prof, if you die now, you will die a hopeless death. He said, I don't want to die a hopeless death. So can you hold me? The prof held my two hands. And I said, repeat after me. Lord Jesus. He said, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I come to you. I surrender to you. This prof was saying these things weeping. There is power in the word. That's why I asked the church, let us leave stories again and go back where? To the world. The prof gave his life to Jesus. And I kept on communicating with the man. 1997, he became a member of the full gospel. And in 2008, the prof died a Christian. He was not wasted. Don't waste your life here. Forget your grammar. Anything you are in this life, somebody is higher than you somewhere carrying this Bible. Whatever you are, you see money you have, I have seen multi-billionaires who believe in Jesus. I have seen professors, they are everywhere, some of them are here, who believe Jesus. I see governors who mean business with Jesus. All over the world I travel to preach one day I preached somewhere after preaching. Some governors called me. They have South, 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 East Governors Forum. And the host governor invited me to talk to them briefly. After preaching to them for about 25, 30 minutes, I was going. The host governor came out. I said, where are you going? I said, I'm going. I finished my assignment. He said, no, I'm in trouble. This man said they want to see you. I said, for what? You know, there are things we carry the world don't have. If you are a believer. I came back and all of them lined up. They said, what did they want to see? They just want to shake your hand. Remember, I wasn't a bishop then. I was a venerable. So I stood and each governor would come with two hands. Shake me. Bow. Touch here. Raise his hand. Because siren and paraphernalia of politics don't guarantee them that peace I have. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's all you need. Everything we fail here, everything you have, we fail. Every certificate we decay here. Every post you hold, we decay here. Every title we earn here. Only Jesus we follow you beyond your grave. And not only following you, now he is calling you as the Lamb of God. The Bible said in John chapter 1 verse 29, it said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Lamb. You know a Lamb is harmless, you know. Very soon, you will meet him. As a lion. The lion of the tribe 
of Judah. And when he rose on that white throne judgment, who will stand? That time title will give way. This idea, if you don't call me his lordship, the right reverend, I say, what nonsense is that? Don't you know I am the Lord Bishop? That day you even pray that they don't remember your title. Because the more title they give you, the more your judgment become higher. If they call me, Ephraim, come, it is your time for judgment. I will be judged as Ephraim. But if they put his lordship, they will go to the archive and bring everything I did as a bishop. And that will intensify the gravity of my judgment. Likewise, you as those of you that are knights here, when I look at you, I say, hey, Rono, if you are made a knight, that's a noble thing for the church. But you know there is oath we take whenever we initiate or investiture knights. Anglican church is heaven conscious. And everything we bring you into, we move you to that consciousness. There is this particular oath. We call it oath of, oath of allegiance. Priest, take it. Knight, take it. If you are made a knight before you are invested church, you will be asked to take your Bible. Take your Bible, come to the altar, raise your Bible, all the knights or the novices as we call them before investiture, church. And we make that oath. Listen to the oath. I confess before God and his church. That I have never been a, a member of any secret court. And I will never join any secret court. I owe allegiance only to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are holding your Bible. And my loyalty to him will always be absolute, total, and undivided. Look at the conclusion. We now tell you how the Bible well to say the last one. The last one is, if I go back from this oath and vow, I put myself under the wrath of God. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The whole church will say what? How many nights are born again? Oh, can I again? So this morning, before I pray, I want to show you people that ran the race and paid some prizes. And that is why the new utility gospel is becoming dangerous. Once you tell somebody to come to Jesus, you will tell him what Jesus will do for him. Come to Jesus, you have American visa. Come to Jesus, you will marry. Come to Jesus, you get a better job. Come to Jesus, you will never be sick. Come to Jesus, it will be well. Come to Jesus. After that, you say, how many of you now want to give your life to Jesus? You didn't present the Jesus of Calvary to them. And that's what I'm doing for you this morning. Jesus is your Savior. And it must cost you something. In revival, we must go back to the old rugged cross of Calvary. The cross is the symbol of Christianity. Make no mistake about it. And what does it signify? Suffering and death. But today, tell the modern believers, they are not even believers, modern miracle seekers that feed the church, you will suffer for your faith. I reject it in Jesus' name.
It's not my portion. And they think, they begin to sing. Me, I no go so far. I no go beg for food. That's a wonderful song. But do you know there is tampering with that song? Do you know the original rendition of that song? The original rendition before the new generation Christians edited it. Even though I suffer. That's the, that's the normal thing. Because the Bible said, As many as shall live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer what? Persecution and tribulation. Must in your office it is there. In your business is there. As a student you will suffer it. Once you don't want to do it the way some ungodly lecturers that mess young girls up in our universities. God brought these girls for you to nurture them and bring them to light. And you, 65 year old man, is asking a girl of 20 years to sleep with you. Are you not a monumental wicked man? Qualified to act, answer a witch and wizard together. How can you do that? 65, 62, 60. And this is a daughter God gave to you. Make her a graduate. Let her pass through you and become useful to the society, to the family. To, and you are asking her to sleep with you. Jesus. And if she doesn't, you will frustrate her. You can frustrate her, but don't allow God to remember you, to frustrate you. Christianity is about why did God save me? Why am I born again? Why should I leave behind like Simon Peter left his nets? Andrew and James left their father, left their sheep, and followed Jesus. What have you left? You know, in some quarters, when you preach this kind of someone, it will end up about money. We are not talking about giving money now. We are talking about sacrificial service to Christ. What is the worship of God taking you? What has it minus? God can say, can you leave this pattern of dressing for following me? That dress code may not be sinful, but God said, I want you to drop it. God can say, drop this, your friend, if you want to fulfill my purpose. Can I show you something before we now conclude? Luke chapter 9. These are people that have deformed idea about Christianity. They didn't know that Christianity will cost you something. They know it, they were taking it as, you know, utility gospel. What can I get? What can I get from following Jesus? Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 57. People that have a runner's idea about following Jesus, like this generation. Luke 9.57. And it came to pass, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wheresoever thou goest. He just saw it. Because previously we see miracles that Jesus did. 
and Jesus became popular, Jesus became the end thing. So the man said, oh, I can enjoy this fame if I follow this man. He ran to him. I said, I want to follow you. Like so many people now want to be Christian. And look at the answer in 58. Look at the answer. And Jesus said unto him, what did he say? Foxes have holes. And birds of the earth have what? But as you see me now, the son of man, I have nowhere to lay my head. Do you know the man? It was coming from prosperity angle. That if you follow Jesus, you will prosper. You will have big names. People will respect you. You will make money. You will have big jeep. You will be a respected person. Say, I will follow you anywhere you go. Jesus looked at his heart. I said, boy, that's not where I'm going. You see the foxes, they have holes when they go to sleep in the night. You see birds of the earth, they have nests. But as you are looking at me now, with this crowd following me, nowhere to sleep. I don't even know where to sleep this night. Can somebody from this congregation tell me where that man went to after that answer? Did you hear him again? Where did he go to? Is he not showing you that he had erroneous knowledge, I mean, idea about following Jesus? This is the most, wherever you go, I will follow you. Jesus said, point of correction and order. As the night is coming now, I'm not sure where I will sleep. No room, no hotel, no accommodation. Are you ready to go, man? The man disappeared. Because he didn't know that Christianity is sacrificial. And look at the second man. In verse 59. Are we still there? Verse 59. Look at the second man. And he said unto another, Do what? Follow me. Look at what he said. But the man said, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. You see what is denying him eternity? What is that thing? What? Burial. Listen to me, if you are a full theological student or Bible student reading extra biblical materials, the Jewish explanation of this text said he was not talking about going to put the father in the tomb. He was talking about second burial. That they have put the man in the tomb. But he's now, he said, allow me to go back to perform the second burial. We are the ceremonies and all things will be done. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their but you go and preach the kingdom of I ask you again did this man continue following Jesus? He was not ready for sacrifice. Sacrifice of ceremony. When I see our church members struggling 
to be taking one fetish title in the society or the other, I begin to wonder. Some group of people came to me sometime, they were knights, honorable knights in the church. But the problem we are having to today with them is that I say, why can't you allow us to also go and take also title? So we now put Sir also one man. No, they don't want to let the world go. You want to carry God and carry the world. And it cannot work. That is why Joshua said to them, in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15, all this mixture, he said, God can't take it again. He said, men and brethren, choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my family, we have made our choice. There is no mixture. You are either a Christian or not. Some of us still go to this masquerade thing. They call it, oh, cultural revival. The only thing our governors and the executives see that is our culture is masquerade. The South East states now, masquerade is taking over everywhere. Mask dangerous things. And Christians, how many heathens are still in your village? Who and who are sponsoring this masquerade? Are there not church members? Young men. There was one boy, or there is one boy in my village. The boy built a church. Single-handed. Furnished the whole church. Gave the diocese key. And we prayed for him in my, in my town. Last year, he bought one masquerade. Of about 3.5 million. One masquerade. And he was carrying the masquerade. How do you explain this one? He built a church. And bought a masquerade. The same man. And where is he going to spend eternity? Maybe on the day of judgment. His church will stand by the right. His masquerade by the left. And God will say which one do I use to judge you? You don't mean to make sacrifice. God is asking somebody here, if you will follow me in this revival, drop something that you think is too precious for you. It could be your dress code. Whenever you dress like that, people will hail you and say, Mommy, you look take away. You look tantalizing. Oh, you look amazing. And you said, thank you, thank you. If you're a young girl, you wear that thing that shows everything that makes you a girl. say, wonderful, you look sexy. You said, don't mention. They have mentioned it. <laughs> Go to the dictionary and look the word sexy. It is a very subtle way of calling you a prostitute. Go and check it. To look sexy is to look like a sex war, a prostitute. And you said, don't mention, thank you, thank you. They have mentioned it. And that's what we see in the church today, our dress code. Can you sacrifice that thing that infuriates God? My brother, my father here, it can be that one bottle of beer. We are talking of revival. 
You say, I don't take too much. It's just one bottle. When I come home, I feel like relaxing. I sit down in my balcony or in my couch. or I just take one chilled glass. I sleep off. No harm. And God said, no. The Holy Ghost and the alcohol cannot habit one place. You must drop one. How can you be praying to God and as God is about to fill with the Holy Spirit, alcohol comes in and two of them will have meeting and share territory in your heart. We must drop, that is sacrificial Christianity. You must drop something. And most of the times, things God asks you to drop from, to make special use of you may not be sinful things. What is wrong about the net Peter was using to catch fish? Anything wrong? Is it wrong for somebody to remain with his father? But James and John had to drop their father. What is wrong about their sheep? But they have to drop the sheep. Because they are running a race that is serious. This morning, something is holding you down. Can you say, God, I want to drop this? Young girl, young boy, it could be that chat, WhatsApp chat. That may be holding you. You want to grow. But once you enter into that and begin to chat and chat away terrible things, you mess up there and the Holy Spirit will withdraw. The final person Jesus saw where we are reading in Luke is when I read about this one, I say, if I'm around him, I will first of all slap him. Because this one looks stupid to me. Verse 61, are you there? What, 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 what type of thing is that? He left where he was and ran to Jesus. And said, another said unto him, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go home and do what? Say bye, hi, bye bye. What kind of madness is this? And Jesus said, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me ask you, what has Christianity cost you? What has following Jesus cost you. It can cost you your ego. I went to scripture in our regional camp one year and after the morning session we went for breakfast. And you know how scripture in our do their own thing? Everybody lined up to eat food, breakfast. One man was so angry. I think somebody invited him. So what type of nonsense is this? I left my place to come here to line up like a beggars and alamadri people. Why are you insulting me with this kind of thing? And the man walked up to him. The man was standing behind him. He saw how furious he was. He walked up to him. I said, excuse me, sir, what is it? He said, just look at me. Somebody invited me here and only to come in and tell me, let's line up for food. The man said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't line up, come. The man took him. Gave him special seat somewhere. Says, stay here, I'll bring your food. He said, hey, that's how things are done. That's how things are done. 
The man went and brought food, served him, brought malt, which was not even taking that money, but to make him comfortable. He gave him a bottle of malt. People were drinking sachet water, but he went and brought bottled water. I said, that's it, that's it. What type of nonsense is this? The man said, don't worry, we are sorry for embarrassing you. We are sorry for embarrassing you. He says, thank you, thank you, apology, welcome. After that, we went for the next session. And the person said, well, this morning, the person that will lead us in Bible study in this session is our brother. He is professor, so, so, and so. Can you take the microphone? It was the man that was serving the other man that was a professor. The man he was serving was a local government chairman who didn't have first degree. And the prof came and took the microphone and said, Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome all of you. We want to take the Bible study. Where I was, I was observing the local government chairman. He was shaking. Not only that this was a professor, a deputy vice chancellor, administration of a university, serving common local government chairman, who was full of himself, because they brought him with government jeep that they stole money to buy. A prof had to bend. You know, he threw away what is professorship. We can save this soul by serving him. So far we bring him into the kingdom. Can you drop your ego when the, the, the occasion calls and serve another person? Sacrifice that your title. Forget it. This is Christianity for you. This revival is meant to bring us to a higher realm of Christianity. Enough of these things. I went to a church one day and after preaching in that a very big cathedral and they were giving notices in the church service. It's an Anglican cathedral. And I was watching keenly and they were sharing letters. I don't know which letter for what, but they were calling names. The pastors were then collected one of the letters and went and gave to the man. You can see the rage in his eyes. He couldn't control his emotion. He tore the letter in the church to pieces. And the addict called the pastor. So when he saw the drama down there at the back, he said, why is he so angry? He said, how dare you give me a letter without my full titles? I am sad chief doctor not the good doctor award award you just put uh, you put sadistic you just simplify my personality I am sad chief doctor if you want to give me a letter put it there these are men that have not met the Christ of Calvary when you meet him you drop everything you are whatever you are one day God taught me a lesson after preaching in the radio. When I finish preaching, I'll give out my phone number and people will be calling me for counseling, for prayers, for questions. That day, as a bishop, you know, God wanted to teach me you still have some pride in you. Nobody was there, only me and God. So after the preaching, somebody called. Are you the reverend that just finished preaching now? I said, reverend. I remember he's talking to his lordship. 
How can he call me just reverend? I was angry. I was alone. I said, Bishop, why should this man call me reverend? I managed to say, yeah, yeah, what is it? He said, please, I have a question. He asked very pertinent question about eternity. I answered. I didn't know God arranged that thing that day. The second person called. Good evening, sir. I said, yeah, how are you? I said, I copied the, red, the, the number from the radio. Are you the pastor that finished preaching now? You see, the title is dropping. Hey, God, God knows how to tease us. I said, what did you say? He said, are you not the pastor that finished preaching? I said, I am, I am. Yes, what is it? He said, please, I want to give my life to Jesus. Can you lead me to Christ? You see what title wanted to take away? The third man now killed the whole thing. It was, I think God arranged. It was after that that God called and said, yes, you still carry this ego of whom you are and your title. Who are you? I made you what you are. From the forest. In the bush where you were pastoring Abakaliki, whom did you know? I went and picked you and made you a bishop. Now title is in you. And the person said, excuse me, I got this lumber from the radio. Oh, God bless you. This message was wonderful. I hope I'm talking to the brother that just finished preaching. <laughs> hey. First person called me what? Reverend. Second one dropped it and called me. Then this last one, brother. Since that day, whatever you want to call me, I will answer with joy. Brother Ephraim, I say, hey, how is it? <laughs> Can we go? Because these three people were asking questions that will lead them to eternity. But title. Egomania that was baseless wanted to destroy me. I don't know the one that is destroying it. I went to a cathedral one day after the talk that I was with the women. I said, why did many women, they didn't come to church to clean the church on Saturday. The cathedral said, oh no, no, you know in this cathedral we have so many professional women, they don't have time for cleaning the church. They pay, they bring money. We hire people. They don't have time. They are doctors, pharmacists. They are senior people. They say, wow. Once you become a doctor, you are both cleaning God's house. Once you become a pharmacist, you have grown up both clean. You don't have time for God. Can we resign from that unnecessary bloated ego? Can we come down to sacrifice what we think we are? Solomon was praying one day after they gave offering unto God. And people were praising him. He said, no. All things come from you. And of your own, we give you. I didn't contribute any. I didn't contribute any. I want to challenge you. You must make sacrifices of time to worship God. You must make sacrifice of your talents to worship God. You must make sacrifice of your knowledge 
what you know to serve God. You must make sacrifice of your resources without being harassed by the young preachers and new generation preachers telling you as if you are into business with God. If you sow 10,000, God will give you 1 million. That's not what I, what I mean. The kind of giving I indulge in is when the Holy Spirit moves you to give to God. Not when pastor tells one baseless story and you say, I tap into that anointing. Which anointing? Lies upon lies. Tell her I went to Cameroon to preach. And one woman saw me. She said, I can see the grace of God upon your life. After the service, she dropped the last money in her bank account. She transferred it to me. And before she got home that night, the government gave him 20 million dollar contract can you tap into that grace and some foolish people will be carried away by that nonsense story that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about I'm talking about sacrifices that are God glorifying I remember when we were undergraduates, as we were graduating, when we come to fellowship, you will see brethren pray. God, this one is reading medicine, this one pharmacy, this one law, this one. He said, but God, tell me where to serve you after graduation. Today, money has taken over everything. You see people and say, I am a doctor, but God said I will work in a mission hospital. I should look for a mission hospital to serve God there as a medical doctor. Who is still doing it now? Even those of us who claim to be parents who are born again, if your daughter or your son comes home after graduating as a pharmacist and says, God wants me to go and serve in one church, church hospital where they pay them 40000 per month. As a pharmacist. How many parents here will say, God, the Lord be with you? You say, have you lost your senses? After all, I have spent to make you a pharmacist. We are not talking of church. Where was the church when I was treating you? Where was the church when I was struggling to... If I hear that thing again, I will strangle you alive. Will you get out of my sight? No more sacrifice. No more inconveniences. Put prayer meeting. 4.35 p.m. You say, no, I come back from work by quarter to five. I can't, don't have time for that prayer meeting. God said, can you give me your time? Can you give me your life? Can you give me your resources? Can you give me your talent? I will conclude by reading one man who will challenge you on the last day. That's the last thing we read now. Second Corinthians Chapter 11. That's the last. Sacrificial Christianity. Second Corinthians chapter 11. We are looking at verse 22. Second Corinthians 11.22. He said, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, look at now what he is enumerating. In labors, more abundant. 
in stripes more above measure, imprisoned more frequent, in death often of the Jews five times. Do you know what that 24 means? Somebody, this is a lawyer. Who can def- defend himself in any court? But look at verse 24. He said, of the Jews, five times received I, forty stripes save one. What's the meaning? How many? Five times they have publicly given him thirty-nine strokes of cane. Publicly, a lawyer. Why didn't he go to court? Why didn't he pursue that case to conclusion? Why are you insulting me, a lawyer, a Hebrew, a Jew, a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin? Do you know whom I am? That is what is killing many of us today. Do you know who I am? Who are you? Are you not ash and dust? That when you sleep in the night, you don't know where you are. It is only when you get up that you know whom you are again. But a lawyer of high repute said publicly the Jewish people because of Jesus has given me 39 strokes of care publicly for preaching the gospel. What have you suffered for this gospel? One little temptation or challenge that will come, you stop coming to church. You stop going to fellowship. Because, oh, I'm married for four years, five years, no church, no child, I'm no more going there. I've looked for a job for three, four years. No, I'm not going to church. And any little challenge, it will affect our Christianity because we don't know what Christianity is. Look at this man. Verse 25, he said, Three times I have been beaten with what? Rods. Lawyer. A lawyer is talking. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. These are people we are meeting Christ with on the day of judgment. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered what? Shipwreck. Why going on mission? You know one of our hymns, I think ancient and modern 181 said, God walks in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. At times you cannot understand him. That him said, how can you understand with little feeble mind of ours? God is his own interpreter. How can somebody tell you, I have been serving God faithfully. See how we challenge him. Lord, I have been serving you faithfully. I kept myself as a virgin. I didn't mess around. Now I am married two, three, four, five years. No child. Lord, I will no longer serve you. You have proved to be an unfaithful God. You are a joker. You are not doing him a favor by serving him. Resign. Another will take your position. Don't harass him. God has been faithful to you. I don't lack in anything in the church. But look at my house rent. It's accumulated. I can't pay. God is waiting for the right time to come. But if you are in a haste, resign. Resign. This is what the modern preachers will teach you. How to endure adversity following Christ until his time to visit you. They won't preach that. But God must answer today. Oh God, as I pray now, between now and Monday evening, everybody in this chapel will get one homer jeep. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Oh bro, why you? How can you go home a jeep? 
What kind of money will you make to get that? But that's why young people, one, one of them came to one university one day, was preaching. After the preaching, I had it. I called one, one of their members. I said, when will you be sensible? A preacher came to the campus. And the last day of the program, we were praying that before the end of this month, people will get buy cars. Yeah, people will buy students. We didn't talk of their school fees. We didn't talk about their hostel, you know, accommodation or their upkeep. What are they doing with car in the university? But young people say, I claim it, I claim it. Since you claim it, how many have you bought? How many? So don't harass God because of little challenge you have. Oh, I'm 35 years, I'm 40, I'm still a virgin, I didn't mess around. But look at that girl, when we were in the campus, he had 15 boyfriends, they were sleeping around, people were calling to carry her for party, now he's, she's married. I am here, God. Then what, what for? What will you say when we get to heaven that you suffered for Christ? Christianity is known in the midst of challenges of life. When you have challenge that you still remain faithful, that's when you are a Christian. It's not a rosy matter. One song says, If all we are easy, if all we are bright, we are with a cross be, we are with a fight upon the hard place God gives to me. Chances of proving what he can do. If all were easy, where would the cross be? Are you ready to serve Christ sacrificial no matter what you're passing through? If you claim it is poverty or hardship that made you to stop serving God, the heaven will open the gate and call Lazarus out. I said, Brother Lazarus, can you tell that woman what you passed through? He said, in my own sickness, I didn't even have money to go to the chemist shop. Dog was my doctor. I was at the feet, a house of a rich man who was tormenting me, but I held on to God. That's why when I died, the angels carried me. What are you ready to endure? Let's conclude what you are reading there. Verse what? 25, Abby. Three times I have beaten with all once I have stoned. Three times I have suffered shipwreck. A night and day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the hidden. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In Paris among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst. This is a great preacher. We say there are times I go hungry. I have to sacrifice it. Why are you discouraged because of little challenge? You can no longer op- perform optimally in your service for God. This morning I will pray for you. Like Jesus told Peter, say, Peter, I want to pray for you that your faith will not fail. May you not fail, God. May you take up your mountain. May you stand this time and say, God, I will serve you. Finally, verse 28. You know, this man, Naga, the guy here, 
Le kene yoko ya 28 aige kwere. Osi beside those things that are happening that are without. That which comes upon me daily is what? The care of all the churches. Flog me till now to tomorrow. I want to visit the church. I want to preach the gospel. Sacrificial Christianity is the demand of the time. Can you make out time for soul winnings, for prayer meeting, for fellowship, for cleaning the church, for giving your resources? Every time we complain things are hard, we can't give for God's work. But I have seen one day last year, I was invited to preach in the University of Medjugorje. They had a very big revival. That's when I look at us here, I say, God will judge us. When I was going to Medigree, I refused to tell my family members, except my wife, because I know they will never allow me to go to Medigree, especially my immediate elder brother, because that was the volatile period. And University of Medigree is about one, about one kilometer, or if it is up to one kilometer, to Sambisa Forest. And there is no fence. So they invited me. They have a very big crusade. I said, crusade in Medigree. The day I arrived, immediately I was taken to the guest house where I will lodge. Two bombs exploded behind. And immediately it was carried on the news. My brother called me. He didn't know I traveled. He said, do you know what is happening? I said, no, he's living in Lagos. He said, there, there, there is bomb in Medigree. I said, sure. He said, where are you? I said, I'm in a program. He said, where? I said, eh? He said, where are you in the program? I said, in Medugri. My brother said, even though you are a bishop, I think you are losing your senses. So, and what are you doing in Medigri now? Are you the only preacher? What? Let another person go. I say, who will go? He said, I am I'm disappointed. He was so angry. I said, brother, I have signed for this matter. If God wants me to die here, I will die. If he wants me to come back, I will come back. But do you know what shocked me as we prayed? The first night, I thought that when we come to Medigrit, everybody will be sneaking to worship. Those people there, <laughs> they are challenging us. The first night, the only way I can describe it is the sea of heads. Human beings, young undergraduates, it was a university crusade. And they said, you know, when I began, I said, what are they saying? Are they not afraid? The moderator of that night said, you should shout this hallelujah that all of them in Sambisa forest will hear us. I say, who do you want to Now I know Sambisa is bad. I don't know what I'm talking I don't And we shouted, thunderous hallelujah. And I ministered on, on Friday, ministered on Saturday, on Sunday. You could not, the only place you can see your eyes, human beings, where your eyes can get. Enthusiastic, sacrificial worshippers. And when I was asking them, 
What if these people come to throw bomb here? Read straight to the answer. In unison, they said, we live every day our Christian life as we will not see tomorrow. So we are not afraid. Once we take our Bible to go to church or go to fellowship, we don't have hope of going back. We may die, so you get ready. Either to die or go back to your house after service. These are people serving God with me. In you, in Nigeria. It's every day. Once we carry our Bible, we are not sure of going back home. We can die in the church. We can die on the road. But this Jesus must be preached. What is your own decision? And you know the summary. As I was going, the professor that was two professors were taking me to the airport. They said, Bishop, look at this hillock. We saw hillocks, brand new hillocks. They were about 50. Brand new. And the prophet said, look at it. One man donated those 50 hillocks fans to Boko Haram. He said, what you people are hearing in the East? Oh, they are not in support. I should forget that. Then. That these Muslims are sponsoring them. 50 hillock vans. The cheap, the smallest hillock van as at that time was about 28 million each. And somebody bought it 50 and gave to Boko Haram for killing human beings. What has God taken from you? What have you sacrificed for God? What has Christianity cost you? This reviver, don't, I thank God for your prof. Don't wait for until you say, oh, we want to raise fund to sponsor reviver. Somebody can say from today, can I, can, I will now, can we have people who will write tracts? This is the easiest way to preach now. Let people write tracts. I will sponsor tracts. Students take these tracts to streets. Share it in the market. Share it in the campus. Go everywhere. Because time is short and we are busy sleeping, looking for signs and miracles. But I want to challenge you, once you get busy with God's business, God will get busy with your business. Let's stand up to prayer. It's a revival. It's not for shouting and making noise. It's a time for reflection. Keep me true, Lord Jesus Keep me true, keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There is a race I must run. There is
are challenging us this weekend. Sacrificial Christianity. As you're thanking him, can you say, Lord, I'm sorry. All the ways I have not served you sacrificially. God, we ask you to wake up 12 midnight to 3 p.m., 3 a.m. Pray for my church. Pray for my children. You refuse. You don't want to sacrifice. Can you say, God, give me grace. I'm sorry all the ways I have not sacrificed. You cannot sacrifice your, your ego. A homie. A homie. You cannot even apologize. You offend your wife. You are waiting for her to apologize. She offends you. You are waiting for her to apologize. Because of ego. In Christianity we don't do that. Even your child. Your child. If you offend your child. Even though you are the father. If you have the Holy Spirit. You can sacrifice your ego. And say son. I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you. Daughter, I'm sorry for the way I, I abused you while I was rebuking you. That's Christianity. It takes our ego. Can you pray one prayer now as I conclude? I say, God, open my eyes to see areas I will make sacrifices in serving you. Financial sacrifice. Sacrifice of time. Sacrifice of talent. Sacrifice of my knowledge. Sacrifice of my position. You are in a position to give somebody job or give somebody admission. You are waiting for money to be given to you. Because God placed you there to be assisting Christians whom the world don't want to accept, assist until they compromise through bribery. Are you doing that? Can you say, God, open my eyes. Pray that prayer, two minutes more, two minutes more. It's a serious prayer. This is a revival. We don't expect it to be very noisy. It's a time of reflection. I said, God, help me, help me. If you're here, you have not given your life to Jesus. This is the appropriate time to do it. Confess your sins. Confess your sins, invite him into your life. There is no time. There is no time. It may be because of you this morning. Thank God for those that did it on Friday. Some did it yesterday. Maybe you weren't here Friday and Saturday. And God is saying, you need to do it consciously. Can you do it now? Jesus, come into my life. Confess your sins. Invite him into your life. Are you sure that your name is in the book of life? Forget the title you brandish and you carry. Forget the accolades and the applause people are giving to you in one way or the other. Are you sure your name in God's book of life? You claim to know Jesus. Does Jesus know you? What is your secret life like? Can you be bold to kneel in your secret and say, God, you know whom I am and the way I live my life. Judge me and see that there is no deceit in me. Can you pray that prayer secretly? I have two prayers to make now. Short, short prayers. As you are standing, please, we are not taking long time. Just keep standing. Unless you have issue on your leg. 
I am led. It could be one person or two persons. You may not come out here, but where you are, you can take that decision. God has so much loved you to bring you to this program this morning. And if you want to say the truth to yourself, and you are not sure, concrete sure, that your name is in God's book of life, that if the trumpet you sound now, you are not sure of making it to heaven. But you want Jesus to come into your life, transform, renew, and regenerate you. I want to pray with such people. Can you raise your right hand? I want to pray for you where you are. God bless you. Raise it properly. Raise it properly. God bless you. You are not coming out here for this morning. Can you lay that right hand on your chest? I want to pray for you. Thank you, Father, for these ones. There is joy in heaven when one sinner comes back to you. Lord, remember your promise that nobody that comes to you shall cast away. As these ones have heard your word and they are raising their hands to accept Jesus, may you forgive their sins in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, cancel their names from the book of condemnation. Write their names in the book of life. According to John chapter 1 verse 2, verse 12, you said as many as received Jesus, you get the power to become your children. Father, the power to live the righteous life, release upon them this morning in the name of Jesus. The power to say no to sin and temptation, release upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. The boldness to discuss and share their newfound faith with others. Father, let that boldness come upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. The resilience to follow you to the end. Father, may you give them such spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, gracious Father. Keep them and keep us together until the second coming of the Master. Be thou exalted. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. We want to pray the prayer I am laid in my heart this morning. You may be wondering since Friday, Saturday, we have not prayed for specific needs of people. I am following the pattern of Jesus. The Bible says he will come and preach the kingdom. And after preaching the kingdom and about the kingdom, he will heal their sicknesses. He will pray for their problems. He will do miracles. That is what we want to use to conclude this program. I want to pray for you. What is that challenge? Can you gather them together? I will make a pronouncement on that issue. Is it health challenge, financial challenge, marriage challenge, family issue, disappointment? What is that thing? Struggling without seeing a result. What is that thing? Can you pray now and mention that thing because I will just make prophetic and episcopal declaration on that need and you will not regret coming for this program can you say God this is it he asked blind Bartimaeus what do you want me to do for you can you pray your, your prayer now whatever is that challenge forget how long you prayed about it can you pray Lord look at my prayer look at my challenge look at my need God can do it again and again and again. He's the same God today as He always has been yesterday and today. I'm forever the same. That is so easy to die.
I should pray for situations and he will answer. Lord, I pray. Any challenge anybody came into this chapel this morning with that needs miracle and divine intervention, as they dismiss and get out from this chapel, they are not going home with that challenge in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, whatever it is, no matter how impossible it looks in the eyes of men, all powers belong to you. Lord, from their family front, to their places of work and schools, to their business areas, I speak divine intervention this morning. What they could not receive as miracle in 2019 backwards, this year, because they have listened to your word, Father, you will give them unprecedented miracle in the name of Jesus Christ. According to your word, Lord, meet every person here at the point of his or her need. Those that need healing, heal them now. Those that need deliverance, Lord, give them deliverance now. Those that need the fruit of the womb, Lord, release their children today. Those that need promotion in the places of work, Lord, intervene on their behalf. Those that need excellence in their academics, Lord, give them excellence in academics. Those that need financial touch and breakthrough, Lord, answer them according to their needs in the name of Jesus Christ. Anywhere there is marriage crisis, let there be healing and settlement for that marriage in the name of Jesus Christ. Anybody that came here with discouragement, I command your spirit to receive encouragement. Anybody that thinks that your situation is hopeless from this morning, hope is restored to that situation. Hope is restored to that situation. 
I declare hope is restored to that situation. In the name of Jesus Christ. This year, what the enemy has as packages shall never come near you. This year, the program of the wicked shall not come over your life. Every trap the devil and his cohorts have set this year shall never catch you and your family in the name of Jesus Christ. This year, from this February to December 31, you will go out in safety. Your children will go out in safety. Your siblings will go out in safety. Your husband will go out in safety. Your wife will go out in safety. And they will come back in safety in the name of Jesus Christ. What destroy others this year will not destroy you. Where others cry this year, you will laugh there. Where others are disappointed, you will be favored there. What man could not do for you this year, God will do it for you. It is not just going to be only spiritual revival this year. Everything concerning you shall receive the revival. The hand of the Lord shall be upon you for good. The Lord shall put a new song in your mouth. You will not labor in vain. The Lord shall not give you children that will bring sorrow. Any of your children whose characters are not right, we command change of life in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall not raise children unto grief. Your children will not die in your presence. What destroyed the youths of this generation will not destroy your child. Anywhere your children are, we create the consciousness of God in their hearts. They will not follow the multitude to misbehave. The fear of the Lord shall guide them. And we secure their destinies today. None of your children shall be a failure. None of your children shall be a mishap. None of your children shall be a liability. Whatever is their challenge in their school or place they are, may the Lord settle them in the name of Jesus Christ. This day, under the unction of the Holy Ghost, I bless all of you. I prophesy blessing upon you. May the God of peace grant you peace. May the God of joy give you joy. May the God of miracle give you miracle. May you have evidence to tell this generation that you serve a living God. So shall it be all the days of your life. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 